We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This is Cheryl from Jajawarong Country. My name's Cheryl Downs. I'm the host of the Beyond 90 podcast. My pronouns are she, her, and I've got a fantastic gang of people on the podcast with me today, as always, but including special guest Joey Peters, who, Joey, we are absolutely thrilled to have you on board here. I've spoken to you before. I loved it then. I'm sure the gang here is going to love it tonight as well. But if we can maybe just jump into our our first segment and we're going to go around a little bit, do it a little bit differently than what we normally do. Firstly, I will go through the history. So today is episode 91 of Beyond 90, the pod. Uh, we coincide that with the Matilda's cap and Joey Peters, it's kind of like you win bingo. You are Matilda's cap number 91. So, or I feel like I won bingo because thank you so much for saying that you would come on the podcast with us. It shows a lot to your character that you definitely want to stick around and be part of the women's football game and talking about it as well. So you're always so generous with your time and I really appreciate it. This is where we make it not embarrassing, but hopefully exciting for you to relive a couple of the high moments. But you debuted for the Matildas in 1996. 1994 was a massive year in terms of the number of Matildas, but 96 is a great year in terms of some of the quality of the Matildas that we've seen come through as well, including yourself. And you played the, with the national team until 2009, which is a, a pretty good effort. Your grassroots club is Leeton United. So good shout out to Leeton. Are they, are they still out there? Are they still an active club? I'm pretty sure, uh, yeah, I haven't been out to Riverina for a long time um, and particularly Leeton, but, um, yeah, they, I, I assume they, they do because there's still a really strong competition out in Riverina and um, particularly Leeton, it was, uh, yeah, they, they were football mad there. So it probably helped me, um, you know, get a great start in football. Thank you very much for that. Um, to keep going through a little bit of your history, 110A international appearances, including 28 goals. You're the, as of this moment, you are the sixth highest goal scorer across A internationals for the Matildas. It was a little bit higher, but we've got a lot more Matildas playing a lot more games now as well. So we see more players coming through. In 2009, you were Australian Women's Footballer of the Year. You played in three World Cups, which must have been absolutely brilliant, 1999, 2003 and 2007. And you also played and scored in the 2004 Olympics in Athens. And just before we jump into some questions around the gang, I wanted to read out, uh, we always go to our, our best mate, Sarah Group, who gives us a bit of an update on the players that when she was team manager of the Matildas, she knew a lot of the players beyond what you would see in terms of the statistics. And I reached out to groups and I've just titled it Ode to Joey because it's one of the nicest things. I mean, groups always writes lovely things, but this is another level above lovely and absolutely true. It's She's not just made stuff up. She's written some lovely stuff. So she said, one of the best Australia has ever produced the smoothest midfielder you ever saw, superb linkage player, 360-degree vision, played beautifully off both feet, rel relatively quiet around camp and let her feet do the talking. She also said that you were very handy with a guitar, and I want to check in on that and see how you're doing. A salt-of-the-earth person and would be a world-class world beater if you were born in this era. You have famously compared your fortunes to that of Harry Kuehl, who had a similar style and talent to yourself, but was born male. And he was off earning millions in the UK while you were cleaning toilets to pay your rent. Hashtag equal pay. And I just think that's beautiful what Groobs has written. She's captured that essence of hopefully um, who you were as a player, but also some of the differences that we see in and around the game back then and even so today. So, Joey, oh, geez, it just it tickles me pink that there's such such nice words to say about you. And I think 
the smoothest midfielder. Um, how would you go out there today? The old knees going okay? And, and let's get into the talk about the guitar as well. <laughs> well, yeah, unfortunately, the only um, football I can play now is out in the backyard with my little boy. Uh, and it's about a 10 by five. So I don't have to run that much. I can just basically pull off one move and shoot. Um, but yeah, I, um, the guitar, I've, yeah, I came from a musical family and grew up in the church. So it's usually um, a place where you can, you know, develop a, a lot of your musical skills. I could, could play the drums and then I, yeah, um, did some singing and, and guitar. You know, we'd have one of those families that would like play music after <laughs> after um, dinner time, you know, we'd all have a jam. But um yeah, I I don't know. I haven't played it for years, to be honest, because of having kids. <laughs> but I'll, I'll jump on it again, and I'll be like, "Oh, well, yeah, I can still I can still play a few tunes." So, yeah, that was always a nice uh, alternative expression to to my football as well. In but still creative, you know. I think you would be a TikTok superstar in this era. You see all the all the players, and they've got all their social media. Imagine singing, playing guitar playing football, playing drums, you'd you'd have millions of followers. You probably do now, but anyway. <laughs> no, my, my daughters wish they did. So, yeah, I don't, cool. it, right. I, don't, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> if it's okay, we'll go around the, around the room a little bit and just get some questions from the rest of the team who I haven't introduced yet on air at the very least. But first off, Mads, did you want to um, throw a question out there to Joey? Yeah, uh, thanks for joining us, Joey. Um, Question like, we usually have questions like when, when we talk to younger players who they'd like to have played with from the previous generation. So I'm thinking, I'm, I'm reading, you know, the description and seeing your play as a, as a great midfielder with 360-degree vision. Who out of the, like the current Matildas would you have loved to have played with? Oh, gee, that's a tough one. But <laughs> oh, it's some good ones in there to choose from. Sammy. How can you yeah. go past Sammy, you know? Um, and I love seeing uh, her and Emily Van Egmont because I feel like Emily is a similar type of player um, to me, loves to get forward and try and score goals and, and try and feed Sammy. And so I, 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 I was more preferable in setting up um, some uh, goal-scoring opportunities. So I'd love to, you know, play Sammy in behind the defence, slip her in and... Um, but yeah, Katrina Gorry, oh my goodness. I just it's I think she's on the, the, the you know, right in the head because um of her performance the other night was just something special. I feel like I hadn't seen that from a from an Australian player, just in terms like from a midfielder's perspective. And you mentioned that vision. She yeah. was, you know, to face backwards and, and be playing forwards. Um, for me, the deception, usually I, I pride myself on being able to read the game and, you know, even on TV, you can see where the players are basically going to, you know, where they're going to play the ball, where's the obvious decision. But, you know, mini was, I couldn't pick it. I couldn't yeah. pick it. And, and it just jumped out at me that that's the first time in a long time. Um, and I would have loved, I would have actually loved to have gone up against mini to see, to see. I'm not sure your angles would agree, but. Yeah. I always loved the battle. <laughs> That's great. I feel Fantastic. like Mad, Madge and Joey would be best mates after that answer. It's probably yes. made you happy as well. Stefan, have you got a, a question lined up as well? Yeah. Hi, Joey. Lo lovely to chat. Um, I follow how Aussies are doing over in the, in the Nordic football scene. And um, I see in your playing history that you had a stint in Sweden with the Rebro. So I guess my question for you is, um, given that you were there after playing in the US and uh, for Santos, how did how was your stint in in Sweden, and how did how do you compare with your playing time in those other countries, and as well as here? Yeah, I appreciate that that question, Stefan, and your your research there. Um, yeah, it was a it was a strange experience, to be honest. I. Um, I really felt comfortable playing at home and, and I felt, you know, with the National League back then, it was the summer Ansett Summer Series, you know, I, I played the first season of the W League, but I was so comfortable at feeling like, yeah, I'm, you know, one of the best players here. I just felt like, you know, I could really dominate a game. Going over to particularly Sweden, um, I found that that was the most difficult experience for me. I um, 
maybe, I mean, Brazil, there was still the language and cultural, uh, well, it wasn't, it wasn't a cultural barrier. Brazil was so affording of, of football. It was just amazing. Um, but I was also there with another uh, former teammate from the, from my American team in Charlotte. So Sweden going on my own, um, just living on my own. Um, it, it was, uh, you know, I couldn't understand them at all. Um, even though they tried to speak English a bit for me, their, their English is amazing, but they're so paranoid of it. Um, I had Pia Sundhag at the time, who's still who's coaching Brazil now. She was the coach, mm. and she was great. You know, I think all, all the, you know, it, it just really challenged me because I, I, I just felt a bit out of my comfort zone, whereas I, I wasn't actually used to that. I felt always where I went, I was like, yep, I'm, I'm dominant here. And, um, but that was really challenging time for me, actually. I would have to say it was my most challenging experience. Right. And were, were many other Aussies going over to that part of the world at, at around that, that time? Yeah, actually, um, it's especially Denmark, you know, Alison Foreman, who you probably can still talk about, you know, she's still over there running basically the Dana Cup, you know, world famous tournament, youth tournament there. Um, she and Carol Vincent, um, another former Matilda, and quite a few girls were, were, were heading over to, um, to is, it, is Denmark Scandinavia? Sorry. Yes, yes, it yeah, is. Yes, it is. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, you know, that, that had actually been probably the most popular place to go. Um, I think Shares and Sunny um, were going to Japan and then, you know, the US had opened up. Julie Murray did wonderfully there and Di Aligic. Um, but, yeah, to then go to Sweden, there was kind of a move um, to go, especially from Denmark to Sweden. Um, Katie Gill ended up going there too. Um, yeah, so I was probably lucky to get a foot in it was just it was just who you knew, you know, back then. Um, you really had to be in the know, in the circle, to get a chance. Um, but yeah, so we've got a, we've got quite a long history of Aussies playing in, in Scandinavia, and, and it's great that it's continuing. It is. Thank you. Very good. How about you, Eric? Given that Madge had one question, Stefan had two. I don't know if Eric's going to throw in three, but we'll start with one. Okay, so um. We've spoken about the guitar. How often were you asked, if at all, were you asked by your teammates to entertain with entertain all of you with your musical skills? And did you have any other teammates that were as musical as you? Um, thanks, Eric. It's, it's nice to think about. We actually made a team song. Ooh. Um, and we sung it before the games. And I, you know, would get on the guitar and 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 play it. Um do you remember it? Can you sing it now? Oh, geez, I'm I'm not singing it now, no. But I, I'm. What is it? We are Australia. Oh yeah, yeah. I can still remember it, but I'm not singing it. Um, and no, that was fun though. We played that um quite often until the coach thought it was too warm and fuzzy before a game. So I was like, what? Anyway, I felt it was it was a nice touch. But yeah, um, other musos in the team. Yeah, oh wow, you really I wasn't thinking that this would be kind of the questions you'd ask, Eric. You've really stumped me. Um, I know that Savette Wilsonla came in one camp um towards the end of my career and she played the violin and I just thought, oh, that's amazing. So um if yeah, she was probably the only one I can kind of think off the top of my head. Oh yes, another another muso. There wasn't many, but a lot lot thought that they could sing, but, oh, geez, you wouldn't want to hear it. <laughs> we, we've heard the national anthem being sung. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, I think we'll, we'll have to try and get those, uh, the song or at least the lyrics and, and throw them into the Matilda's active team. Maybe they can um, <laughs> reinvigorate it and get more people singing about it. And I'm just thinking of if Groobs was a team manager at the time, I, I've hung out with Groobs quite a bit. We've played guitar together, her much better than me. I'm sure she can sing a little bit as well. So actually she sang at her own wedding. So, yeah, Groobs may have joined in in some of that entertainment oh. as well. Awesome. I sung at Bubs' wedding. That was really fun. Melissa Barbieri. 
Oh, the whole group of it. That was cool. Yeah. Do you remember what you sang? It was like a U2 song, I think. Everlasting love. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm loving this too pod. long now, guys. I'm sorry. I have to do my own <laughs> Eric, research on my own life. <laughs> Eric, did you have another question that you wanted to throw in there or are you happy with just uh, the one? Something a bit more conventional, because uh, Joey, you mentioned um, playing in just the first season of the W League, and it was Newcastle, right? Um, so can you remember, was there much of a, a feeling of excitement among you know players such as yourself that had been in Matildas and played in the Ansett Summer Series to be part of a new competition? Uh, yes and no. We kind of we were used to it being, um, you know, revamped quite a few times. And, um, yeah, I, I think it was just kind of another, oh, okay, they're revamping the league again. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, I guess it was good. It, it was seen as a bit more of a high status because it was, you know, in line with the men's league. Um, and... Yeah, the, the previous, the, probably the Ansett Summer Series was actually probably the biggest breakthrough for me that we'd had in, in the women's game, that it went from the old um, National League to, you know, actually having a sponsor, you know, the Ansett Summer Series. And then, you know, the, the actual excitement of not just having a one-week um, Nationals titles that we'd have traditionally, like actually having... Um, a full summer of games. I mean, we complain now that it's not a, a, a home and away series, you know, complete to, with two rounds and and rightly so. Um, but it, it's always had that exciting flavour of being over summer, um, that it's, you know, this short buzz of a, of a series of games. And we, we loved that. And I think, you know, the W League was the progression on that. Um, unfortunately, I feel like it, it hasn't been much progression from from that time, you know, 14 seasons ago. So um, I know they're still working hard on, on what should the W League look like and it, and it probably makes sense that it's more of a development league now um, because the better players are going various. But but then, again, you look at someone like Katrina Gorey. Um, sorry, I can't help talking about her tonight. But, you know, for her to be one of those you know, in the w, w League or your National League, you know, to be a dominant player, I think we, we, t we don't value that enough. We think, oh, you've always, you know, you've always got to push yourself and go somewhere, you know, where you're going to be pushed. Well, I, I think um, both environments are equally important. So for me, you know, and I see someone like Katrina Gorey coming home to play, having an outstanding season, confidence, just amazing taking you know being being having a little bit more time to be creative um and then you know going overseas to 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 challenge yourself i think it's actually still a nice balance but anyway i've, I've gone on a little bit there eric but thanks for for bringing that up good questions thank you everyone i'm probably going to skip my own questions and we'll just keep on with the pod at the moment just we move into hot topics and news of the week and i'll just breeze through these quickly so we can actually talk about the matildas games which uh one that's happened one which is coming up and a couple of young matildas games as well but in the news a six-part matildas docu-series has been announced to play or be produced on disney plus i don't currently have disney plus but i'll be getting it once that happens and then a couple of signings as well. We had been talking about how Emily Van Egmond was the only player at the moment in the NWSL, which has traditionally been a, a bit of a hotspot for Aussies to play in. Brilliant news over the during the week that we saw Alex Chidiak has signed with Racine Louisville, which is fantastic to see her head to Kentucky. And then Chelsea Dorber as well has headed off to the Chicago Red Stars. I'm not sure if there's anyone else who's moved while I wasn't looking. And I think there may have been, Stefan, was there an announcement of someone else who's moved into, or was that just me leading you astray? Uh, not that I can recall, Eric. Nope. Um, I, I have faith in my group chats to keep me posted if someone... If I miss it, I reckon someone else will get it. So I don't think there's been another Aussie going to the NWSL. 
Oh, well, will we see more people moving around soon as well? Because we talk about the dub being a development league and it is, but we had some terrific players there throughout the season. So we'll keep an eye on any more movements. Let's jump into, if we don't mind, maybe the the Matildas. Madge, do you want to take us through it? Yeah, well, what a night up in Townsville. Uh, it was a really, really hot day. So I, I got in early and was um, walking around um, Townsville. I think a few of us got... Um, got caught not quite knowing the streets very well and ending up uh, walking. And we were only walking and we were, we were dead by the time we were um, getting getting around um, pre-game. But, yeah, I mean, what can you say? It, it was it was a game that we absolutely dominated. Um, uh, all credit to New Zealand, though. I mean, I think if, if we're, we're going to rave about Katrina Gorey, I think we also have to rave, rave about Victoria Essen in the in the New Zealand goal. Uh, she and Claudia Bunge. She and Claudia game. Bunge as well, yes. Yeah. Um, yes, so Madge, can't miss a victory player. Mel- Melbourne <laughs> victory, just saying. Absolutely put up a wall, wall of defence, but I was just looking up the, the stats and I think it was something like 30-something shots to three um, to the Matildas. Um, I think we had 15 shots on target and and Victoria Essen had like 11 saves um, and some of them were absolutely spectacular, um, none more so than the one that uh, she clawed out from Claire Polkinghorne's head. Um, <laughs> Claire was already celebrating, um, but no, not not to be. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it was an odd game. It, it was, had, had all of the attack going the Matilda's way and um, just could not put that ball on the back of the net. Um, uh, I mean, like... Some some of the chances. I mean, Haley Rasso had a couple of really good opportunities where maybe her just. I mean, she runs like an absolute cannonball, and just that that first touch, or you know, the first or second touch, just not quite um, there for her. And uh, an, another standout player, Steph Catley, was just uh, you know putting in cross after cross. Victorian, uh, just a Victorian yeah. there. Just oh, you know, I'm not forgetting them. I'm not forgetting them. <sighs> <laughs> sounds like Cheryl. Sounds like Cheryl needs her own national team. Oh. I think there was a Ewing um, player that scored the the equaliser, wasn't there? Yeah, Van Egmond, correct. <laughs> yeah, From Newcastle, good old, yeah. good old Newey. So, yeah, but you know, it was absolute pandemonium um, in the final two minutes of the game. But I mean, the Townsville crowd looked; they were into it the entire time as well. So I think that was fantastic. Like uh, we were riding, um, riding you know, every pass and and all of the chances that were, were coming through. So it was, I think, a, a great show to put on for the first time up in in North Queensland. Um, and and yes, I'm just going to rave about Katrina Gorey all day long. We've been saying it for a long time. Well, I've been saying it, and then, and other people have as well. Just really wanting someone who's comfortable on the ball in midfield, who can like control that ball, and um, um, and and like Joey was saying before, being able to uh, you know, play in uh, to the front, to, to to behind, and 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 not just making the obvious pass all the time. And I and sometimes I guess as a Brisbane fan, you get used to seeing that. Yeah, Minnie does those little deceptive turns all the time. It's like you, you'll go, oh, she's got three players around her. Oh, no, she's just decided to turn out of that. And um, that's it's the type of quality that she's got. And I think my favourite pass of the game, it unfortunately didn't end up with a goal, but she did that killer pass from from deep in, in defence through, through to Sam Kerr, who then I think almost first time crossed it to Alana Kennedy, who just couldn't quite put it away. But that type of ball... That that's your killer ball. That that's that's the type of vision that that um, I I think the Matildas uh, really want to see some more of. So I think nothing but I think I think lots of positives. Of course, um, p- people will be unhappy with the finishing, but you've just got to say that's an off night on finishing. You've got a Sam Kerr in the team. Um, you give her that many more that, that many chances again. Um, it, more often than not, those some of those are going to be more of those are going to be going in the back of the net. What did you guys think, Eric? What were your thoughts? Yeah, then to agree, um, you do get one of the you do get those nights in front of goal where it does seem like the ball has a mind of its own, doesn't want to go in. Uh, I thought we could have seen more subs. I do believe you didn't use the six that uh, Tony Gustafson didn't use the six that uh, you're allowed to in international friendlies. I did kind of wonder what the point was of giving Courtney Vine five minutes at the end. Of course, Courtney Vine. Uh, Cheryl, she's a Queenslander to me. Um, I don't care that she was born in Victoria. She's a Queenslander. Peninsula. Oh, I didn't know that. Club. I'm holding that. 
Um, yeah, but if you hold on to birthplace, you also have to give give up Pyra Cooney Cross, who was born no, in no, Queensland. I so just hold it all. You if just hold it all. For in Victoria, <laughs> that's that's my criteria. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it's like it's like the Queensland State of Origin Rugby League team. Now it's like, well, everywhere is Queensland. Yes. Now, um, so yeah. I see um, friendly games as time, as chances to try something new. I don't really understand why you didn't uh, use all the subs, but I'm not a coach. So, but uh, hopefully we see a bit more on, uh, be a bit more tomorrow in Canberra or tomorrow at the time of recording, at least. And also hopefully it'll be a bit easier for everyone, at least in Canberra at night. We might have the opposite problem of being too cold, but to wait and see. Bring your right. winter woolies, Eric. Huh? Bring your winter woolies, your coat. I'm an experienced NPL commentator. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> Joey, a couple of thoughts from you on the game. I'm not sure if you were at the game or if you listened to the commentary. What did you think of the game? What could have gone better? What what went really well in your opinion? And maybe what did you think of the commentary as well? Because we know that we get to hear you on the air quite well. When I say quite a bit, I mean, it's good when we get to hear you on there. I'm sure it could be more often, but yeah, a couple of questions for you. Thanks, Cheryl. I've, I've just got to say first up for me was um, the never say die attitude coming to the fore. It's almost like you get into, uh, I was going to say it's usually five minutes before 90 minutes, but when the 90 minutes is up, I'm like, I'm like, right, here we go, never say die time. And I, and I did that as well with the South Korean game, to be honest, and I thought we were going to come through there. It's amazing how I thought it was similar um, similar types of games in terms of how well I thought we played in possession and, and defensively as well, um, comparing the two games. Obviously, New Zealand, um, you could say, is not as quality opposition as, you know, some of the better teams in the world. Um, but still, I, I was super impressed with not only the, yeah, the never say die, um, you know, those goals at the end. I was just laughing in the end. I was just like, yes. Um, and, and you talk about commentary. I was quite disappointed, actually, that Harps didn't know that it was never say die territory. He's kind of like, I don't know what just happened then. And I was like, man, it was never say die. Are you kidding me? So, you know, I, I think, um, yeah, it, it, to, to, to have that, I, I love that that's part of our culture now because it, it's, it's almost like, and you almost want to keep it a secret too because you don't want other teams to realise that, hang on, when it's 90 minutes, this is when the Matildas, they're going to throw everything at you and it's almost like they, the other team thinks, you know, oh, we've got it, you know, um, and and I'm, I'm that excited about the Never Say Die thing too because I was part of that uh, Women's World Cup team in 07 when Cheryl Salisbury scored in the last kick of the game. It was like, you know, when when we scored the other night, the second goal, and then they kicked off and it was literally, that's the end. It was the last kick of the game. There's nothing better than that. Um, and I love that. And I love that they scored and won the game because a lot of people have been smashing us, like you said, Madge, about the finishing. When, and, and for me, this is where I, I wish that commentators could take us to that next level in Aussie football of actually understanding, like you guys have, have perfectly articulated, sometimes that happens in football. You, you, it doesn't go in. We've, I mean, who hasn't known a game where someone has just literally dominated and just hasn't been able to get the ball in? I mean, it actually happened, I think, in, in the 2010 Asian Cup, the girls would say, the game against... I don't even think it was the final. It might have been the final or the semi-final where I think it was Japan. Yeah, it was hitting the crossbar and the girls just knew, oh, my goodness, this is our day. We're just getting all the luck. And that's football, you know. But when people start saying, oh, we need to change the team, we need to get rid of the coach, you know, because in the end, it, I'm not a big stats person because I love the context of the game. I think it's very important to 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 have a holistic you know, view of what's happened in the game, not just the stats. But the best stat that I do enjoy is chances created. 
because oh, yeah. you know when you chance it, you know you and a good chance too. And we had plenty of good chances to see a goalkeeper pull off saves like that. You're going, our chances were superb, mm. um, and 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 that's all you need is a chance like that. Now whether it goes in or not, again, that's just that's just the the mystery of football. Like Sam Kerr, you know, has been the golden boot in every freaking league and she and she misses a couple of sitters for us you know and we bow out of the tournament and we you know could have lost again last night so but but people I mean I actually haven't heard much Cheryl about you know what have been people been saying after this game are they going oh yes we played really well because we won and yes still smashing the team because they lost against South Korea and bowed out in the semi-finals uh, quarterfinals well it was practically the same same game guys in terms of yep. how many chances we created um and just my last thing cheryl would be that to see even though it was new zealand see the one touch play that was so cohesive on the flanks yep. on the flanks but especially in the build-up that was something special now if tony g is deliberate in setting that up i'm not sure if it was just you know you play the rhythm of the game sometimes it's one touch sometimes it's two um, you know, but they were playing a one-touch rhythm, which really impresses me because, again, in terms of what we need to improve on as the Matildas, I, I think is the speed of play when it comes against these big European oppositions. We see when we, when we played France or the Dutch team and we got beat, for me it was because we, we just were too slow in our decision-making. Like France... You know, we, we think we were pressing back, you know, back when we played France a few years ago. We were pressing. We were amazing at pressing. But you look at France and it was just like we were just, they were, we were just closing them down as they normally would and they would just play the ball past us because they're used to such that high speed of play. And for me, it was just brilliant that to see the Matildas take it up that notch. And um, I, I was just really super impressed with the performance. Can't wait for tomorrow. I love it. Brilliant. I think for me as well, Stephanie, and throwing to you on this one, and then you can lead us into the young Matildas as well, is the goal that came of the one of the three shots that New Zealand had. And I think Ellen did that one touch. And what a what an absolutely beautiful goal that she managed to score. So, you know, I I feel like I was not, I always barrack for the Matildas a hundred percent, but given the exposure that we've had to more um, New Zealand players over the course of the dub this season, it was nice to see a couple of them out there and, and also in particular, nice to see Alan score that top goal. It was, it was a special goal, wasn't it? Yes. Um, my, my player of the game for the entire, for both squads was, was Claudia Bunge. I thought she was yep. amazing in the second efforts in defence were, were just incredible. So, uh, but I, I, was, I, I was very happy to see Minnie comfortable as a six. The distribution is so good. And just noting that she played as a six in front of Polk's um, at a Valsness in, in Norway a couple of years ago. So she's had a bit of a run there. So, yeah, it's really nice to see. That's what just, I love. To, sorry, guys, if I could jump in. That's what I love to see um, too was that, so you've got that one touch play down the flanks and then it comes to someone like Minnie that can, again, change that tempo. So slow it down a bit, do a, a you know, a, like you say, a turn on a sixpence and, and go somewhere else. That combination again of, I don't know if it, again, I hope it's deliberate from Tony G, but I'm not sure if we'll be able to see see that again um, in a game for it to be so cohesive and and complementary the way that we had such a variety of of play which is again it's kind of new for the Matildas you're used to just seeing them you know go down the flanks um, maybe take a few bit too long to to get into the opposition uh, final third so it, you know but last the other night I don't know if I'm getting too excited guys is it, is it worthy do you think can I we repeat it? it? <laughs> well, that's the thing. We'll be able to see that in a couple of days, won't we? That'll that'll be exciting. One day, <laughs> a couple of days. What am I talking about? I, I just, just did want to um, note um, the the sad news with Rhea Percival doing her ACL um, in the game early in the game, which was um, that was confirmed today. So that's that's really tough news um, heading into uh, a home World Cup. Um, but hopefully she's got time to recover um, and get back in time for the World Cup. 
Yeah, good good shout out. Stefan, the young Matildas have also had a couple of games and, and fortunately for you, they're doing it in your home home territory. So you've been to the games. Have you got some some key thoughts from those matches? I do, yes. It's uh, been five years since I've been here, so it was, a, it was a real treat to get out to both of those. Um, yeah, so it was our first game in a couple of, couple of years as the young Matildas. It was the first time the um, the young football ferns had had played uh, non-Oceana opposition in a friendly at that level. So it was uh, quite an occasion. Um, Gemma Lewis was looking after the, um, the the Phoenix coach, was looking after the young football ferns. Yep. yep. And um, looking at our extended squad, um, Leah Blaney brought in eight extra players from 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 the um, A-League women's who'd, who'd done well during the season. What was remarkable to me was the number of players who we didn't get to see during game time. I guess it's understandable, though. The idea, I guess, is to bring the whole squad together and to maybe have a bit of a look at the players who don't um, get out in front of the you know, in those sort of pressure situations as often. Um, so I'll just name some of them, players we didn't see. Sasha Grove, Riley Henry, uh, Sally James, Darcy Malone, Claudia Mahochik, Jessica Nash, Charlie Rule. Hayley Taylor-Young had a having issue, as I understand it. Uh, Miranda Templeman. And we only saw a little bit of Hannah Lowry. So, um, so that was sort of interesting for me that we didn't get to see uh, that that talent, but the talent that we did see was fantastic. So, um, it's an interesting point there, Stefan. About we're starting to talk about oh, players don't get a run, and it'd be nice to to play more subs. Um, and I would I would usually agree with that. I tend to I like to think you know the other sides of things as well. And I I kind of like how we don't necessarily just give out hand out taps um, like that, and giving that sense of you know, you've you've got to earn it, and this this isn't just everyone's going to get a go. You know, I'm a big advocate for for kids and youth football. Everyone should get a go. But when you're at that highest level, I can't I can't help feel like, you know, we could do that a little bit more. Just just you know, if you're to come into a camp, then that is an absolute privilege. If um, and I think a lot of the players. I feel like they're starting to feel, get that sense. Like this is a real privilege to come into camp. And then to be on the bench, um, and then if I happen to get uh, some game time, you hear Clover Lagarde say it. If I happen to be out there, you know, mm. I'm just going to do my best. And you know, they've got this wonderful mindset now. Rather than I think previously, we've been too quick to say, "Oh, let's just hand you a cap." And and you know, a lot of this when when kids are getting selected so early again, that's why I'm against some of the youth. Um, some of the youth in, um, initiatives where we select players, they get they get things too easy too early. So uh, you know that's just yep. another side of things there. Yeah. So comparing with uh, my experience five years ago, um, that was out, out out of the AIS grounds. So there was no no seating. There were about a hundred spectators standing around the field. Um, Gary Van Egmond was coach. I remember Ellie. Carpenter was sent, played centre back. Grace Ma was captain. Um, there was no streaming back then. It was hard to find out about the games. It was actually one of my my first ever contacts with groups um, because I knew I'd heard that there was a game on, but couldn't find any details. So that was actually the first time I reached out to groups. I think having seen a post on social media, and I asked her about where the game was on and what time and that sort of thing. So that was memorable from that point of view. Um, so the streaming decision for these games came quite late in the piece as well for, yep. for these two games. So that was so we still got a way to go. I mean, the crowd, you know, we would have had, I guess, up up to a thousand people at both both the games. So obviously a few more people, but it's still for you know for national team, um, you know, a game of that caliber. Um, I think there could there's still a way to go with getting getting word out there and um, getting people along. Especially when the product's so good, right? So, um, so as far as the games themselves, there was a um, a comfortable five five one victory to the Young Matildas in the first game of Wednesday night. So um, we had Daniela Galich, Hannah Jones, and Sarah Hunter running the show there in midfield. So they were very influential in that game. 
And I thought that Carly Johnson had a, had a terrific second half up front. And um, uh, Janaya Dos Santos also impressed me um, up front um, in the first half in that game. And it was a cheeky Sheridan Gallagher backheel goal, if you recall, right at the end of the game. Um, so the New Zealand scorer was Charlotte Lancaster, who, who put, put in a, um, a cracker of a left, left foot chip. And uh, Chloe Lincoln and Emma Ilioski from Canberra United were, were very good in both the games, I thought. Um, game nice. Sorry. Yep. Just pause for a second and say thanks very much for um, your time, Joey, on the podcast. Really appreciated it. And hopefully we'll get you back another day and we can talk more football with you. But have a great night and see you later. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, the kids are the kids are driving me nuts now. So I'll but yeah, keep it going. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Joey. Bye. Thanks, Joey. Game two was a very different affair. It was a one-all draw. And that was also the halftime score, and it was a much, much tougher contest. Uh, um, the junior football ferns had seven uh, changes to their starting lineup. And uh, the big one for me was the inclusion of Mona Walker at centre back. Her composure there really yes, that is what I like to hear. Yeah, just it just really bonded the entire back line and lifted the whole the entire back four. Her um her composure and the way she was able to um to to get them as a group working together. Um, they were a bit more physical in this game too. So there were the contest between uh, Marissa Vandermeer and Sheridan Gallagher was a cracker to watch. Um, <laughs> and, um, but they were, it was, they were more physical across the park um, and uh, for us uh, I guess there were, at the start there were only Jamila Rankin and Aideen Keane called into the starting lineup compared to the, the first game um, Sarah Hunt opened the scoring with a with a terrific strike from distance um, well worth that seeing that was a lovely shot yeah it was amazing wasn't it it was very nice yep um, and I think she was my player over both games. The, the series, your most influential player across both the games, and a constant threat throughout the games. And Millie Clegg, who I thought was very good for for the young football ferns, was was very good in the second game and replied five minutes out from half time, getting a a, um, a through ball, getting around a defender, and tucking the ball away very nicely. Um, Something I really liked to see after the game was Yitka Klimkova, the, um, the football ferns coach, um, getting the group together straight after the game and addressing them with a lot of passion. And um, I just love seeing that because it, it really gives them um, the bigger picture of what they're, what they're aiming for at the end of the day So um, and providing that connection between the two squads. Nice so shout out. And, yeah. and ex-head coach of Canberra United as well. So That's there's, right. there's so an lovely. extra... It's all about Canberra, this pod. It is. So it was, yeah, lovely. Now, speaking of Canberra, the entire Canberra United squad was there cheering on um, Chloe and uh, Emma Ilioski too. So that was just so lovely to see as well. But, uh, yeah, but nice to see Clem Cobert, um, you know, setting that um, up for a team. And, and her, obviously, they were hanging on every word. So it was nice to see. But, yeah, terrific two-game two series. Very much enjoyed it. Thank you for the wrap-up. Madge, Eric, any extra thoughts on the young Matildas games or do we want to go around the world now? I saw the first one, but yes, I think I can only echo the um, what I saw in the battle between Sheridan Gallagher and uh, Marissa Vandermeer. I haven't been able to watch the second. Um, yes, I think I tweeted Marissa Vandermeer is getting the full Sheridan Gallagher experience. We all know what that means. So it was, yeah, like that's, and you know, of course the aim is that the, trying to find plays for senior international football. And yes, we all talk about the skill, but it's also very physical. So good, good to see them getting, uh, getting all the players getting used to that. Thank yeah, you. And, and I just that. echo um, Stefan's comments about, um, I thought Sarah Hunter, yeah, was great in both games. And that, yeah, that, that goal in the, in the second game um, was absolutely fabulous. So um, it's great to see that killer strike in front of goal. Is it too early to say, and I'm I'm usually not the person who puts that out there, but is is she the real deal? And I don't mean that in a disrespectful oh my, uh, way. My goodness. I, I, <laughs> oh, 
Eric, Eric, you're into. You're about. You're many years too early with this. Relax. <laughs> Just relax. <laughs> but I think the quality. <laughs> she does seem to be mature on the ball in in the games that I've seen, and I think that strike that she had is not something that she's done once. She's done it, you know, before. So I think. I'm not saying she's our next Sam Kerr. I'm not saying that. And, you know, just just really seeing some strong qualities from her as a player. And I think the more time that she gets in and around that level of football is a, a really good thing for her. And then when, when we get to the under 20 World Cup, it will be interesting to see the form that we, um, the Matildas, the young Matildas bring to those games. And I, I think we could be, it's it's one way to get more people involved in the brand of the Matildas as well. Like you said, Stefan, if there weren't that many people at game watching and if there wasn't really enough notice or a lot of notice about live streaming of the games, we need to think about, well, hang on a minute, there's a an under-20 World Cup coming up. You'll be able to have access to watch that. Australia will be playing. Yes, there's some amazing competition there, and it might be really quite a challenge for us, but we'll still get access to see some of those players play when you don't normally get to see them play that often. I think also, Cheryl, it, it, um, the point that you're making about um, the importance about being involved in these sorts of tournaments and in, in the junior tournaments and 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 the and the young tournaments, we've we've been haven't been able to really get into the, the the World Cup stages of a lot of mm-hmm. these youth tournaments. And and I think that results in in us and fans looking at young players who are only 17 and going, oh, can they crack it in the Matildas? Whereas um, maybe the first step and, and one, one of our biggest goals should be trying to more consistently get our youth teams into the, the highest level of competition and really seeing how these young players can perform there uh, in, in a consistent basis um, instead of, yeah, that, that, that focus that we've, we've had with quite a few players, like, you know, your Sam Kerr's, your Caitlin Ford's, your Ellie Carpenter's, and, like, let's just take the player that we think is going to be great and, um, and pop them into the Matildas and, and, and hope that they, they do well. So, um, yeah, all, all, the, all, all the more... Uh, exposure and both in playing and also for fans to be able to watch these youth tournaments, I think is the better. Thanks very much, Batch. All right, let's move around the world and we'll give a bit of a special a special shout out to Eric as well, because he has come pretty hot off the press of one of these international friendly matches where he was commenting on the match between Philippines and Fiji and the match prior to that, their match prior to that as well. But Eric, did you want to take us through the international friendlies? And I I will say we've had some audio trouble, but hopefully all is well. Um, If it gets a bit um, bit too dodgy, just turn off your video and we'll see how we go. Okay. Well, I like being proactive. So for those of you um, listening on podcast, I've just turned my video off. So we'll get to the two Philippines-Fiji games in a bit, but just some results, which um, I believe was a new show, kindly dropped in the pod for us. We have uh, India defeating Egypt 1-0, and then India defeated Jordan 1-0. That's, I'll have to update that. Um, it's, yeah, which is, of course, the battle of the two most recent hosts of the Women's Asian Cup. Uh, one or draw between Spain and Brazil. Argentina defeated Chile 1-0 twice. Canada 2, Nigeria 0. South Korea 3, Vietnam 0. USA 9, Uzbekistan 1. Uh, Ecuador 0, Paraguay 1. And Colombia 2, Venezuela 2. So that's all the friendlies. Now on to, of course, what Cheryl uh, alluded to. Uh, I was uh, incredibly blessed to be a, comment- a live stream commentator hired by the Philippines Football Federation for uh, two games that the Philippines played against Fiji. And don't worry, I haven't just flown back because I am so lucky that both games games were played in Western Sydney. So there's a link where one of the Wanderers owners is also heavily involved and a, a much valued benefactor of um, the Philippines women's team. So his name's Jefferson Chang. Thank- shout out to you. Without, um, without him, none of this would be possible. So in the first game, uh, which was on Thursday, played in absolutely awful conditions, rain and winds. Uh, Philippines defeated uh, Fiji by seven goals to two. And then the game, which was, I've just come back from at the time of recording, it was Monday afternoon. Uh, Philippines then backed it up with another 8-0 win over Fiji. So the preparations starting to ramp up and you know plenty of promising signs uh, for, uh, well, of course, a country that we a World Cup 
debutante next year. And they also keep keep an eye, keep a lookout on Philippine socials and of course my own socials because um there will be they're gonna hang around in Sydney, the Philippines, and they've got three upcoming games against Tonga, two over the Easter weekend and one after that. So uh, if you're in Western Sydney, um, I would like the chance to watch some women's international football. I mean, I'm sure it will be free. So um, that'll be great. And uh, also, be, by the way, Fiji, of course. Um, yeah, there's some, you know, it's a, uh, good to see that they've been able to uh, get out and travel for international football because it's really hard for those Pacific Island nations. But Fiji, of course, preparing for... Uh, the Oceania Nations Cup in July, where they will be battling for the one playoff spot Oceania has for the intercontinental playoff part of the World Cup qualifiers, where you know they could play anyone, uh, a team from South America, a team from Africa, or a team like, say, oh, I don't know, the Republic of Ireland, who are currently second in their qualifying group. So, yes, that's the international friendlies. Um, so do we want Just- to go to... Just on yes. those international friendlies as well, for me, interesting to point out the result between Spain and Brazil. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the, the countries that played against there are not necessarily top tier, mm-hmm. but we did yeah. see Spain and Brazil play out to a, a one-all draw, which I think is not a surprising result. It's just a result to keep track of. But then the other one with USA, Uzbekistan scored a goal against them. And mm-hmm. I want to know how that happened. I didn't see it. And I think that's interesting. And I don't know yeah. the squad that went out there for the US, but it is great. They must have been absolutely, you know, excited about that one there's a lot of americans demanding to know how that goal happened as well i reckon but (laughs) but yes so you know good i did was an odd score yeah nine one is like yeah good for them at least at least they got something they got something for their social media and whatever it's not like of course it's always an honor to play for your country but getting a goal as well i mean that's the best bit of course all right. Um, and I'll just quickly talk about the FA Cup semi-final, which hasn't yet been played, but I'm telling you to get ready to watch it this Saturday and Sunday at pretty reasonable time. So 9.15 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time on, on Saturday. Sorry if I didn't already say that. West Ham United are playing against Manchester City. So you've got a choice of four Aussies in those matches, assuming all of the Aussies are back on deck. They will be mm-hmm. flying back pretty uh, soon yeah, after the match, I'm sure. But whether or not they get all the game time and then on Sunday the second of the semi-final matches 9 30 p.m Australian Eastern Standard Time we have Arsenal v Chelsea so that means we've got the chance to see potentially another four Australians or Matildas playing there as well depending on what happens you can watch that on FA player um, I haven't absolutely absolutely checked, but I'm pretty sure that's the deal. And the final will be played on the 15th of May. So it should be guaranteed that there would be an Aussie in, in both sides of the final and there'll be an Aussie winner. Um, in other news as well, and Eric, I don't know if you wanted to take us through these results. I've yeah. just taken some screen grabs from uh, Europe yeah. where we've had their World Cup qualifier matches. So it's okay. been a massive fixture. Yeah, so that's why, and you will notice in the international friendly list that I read, not many European nations, because of course they have World Cup qualifiers for next year. And um, most of the groups have an even number teams. So there's, but I think only three nations that had the bye, and uh, my beloved Ireland was one of them. So uh, let's see. What strike? I'm just, yeah, this is not the great British pod content. I want to see what I want to talk about. Norway 5, Kosovo 1. It's Norway's a good team. I really, really like them from the 2019 World Cup. You know, uh, so it was, you know, they're they're a great team to watch. They're so technically gifted. So looking forward to seeing them next year. Uh, Vesna Milivojevic. Ah, I've commentated out. Uh, I'm tired from commentary. Vesna Milivojevic's Serbia defeated Israel 4-0. What what else is noteworthy? Sweden uh, defeated Georgia 15-0. Yeah. Well, uh, Ireland put 11 past them, so that uh, does show the kind of inequality in um, international women's football sometimes. you may, Some of you may remember England putting 20 past Latvia. So, yes, that is kind of the challenges involved, especially with midweek internationals where players, you know, especially that are not full-time professionals have get time off work because I believe Latvia did not send anywhere near a full-time, full-strength squad when uh, they lost 20-0 to England. So, and I suspect that some similar things have happened here because I think Sweden only beat Georgia 4-0 the first time around. 
So, hmm. uh, let's see. Uh, Malta nil, Denmark two. So, you know, we know about the Danish quality. Stefan knows that as well. So, uh, in, in a sense, good job by Malta to keep them to 2 0. What else is interesting? Um, Wales won, France two. I mean, hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's my uh, European women's national team ignorance, but. I'm a bit surprised that France only won that by goal. And the last one I caught my eye, uh, Germany three, Portugal nil. So, you know, pretty standard result for Germans. See, I, I've, actually, I've actually got some some intel on this. Um, oh, oh yes. Intel. Yes, please. Not that, not that really intel, please. Just that someone else I'm does an... the work. So um, Ted, Teddy from uh, Matilda's Active Support keeps keeps a, a, yeah, a good yeah. eye on, on how the qualifying for the World Cup is going. So apparently, so in this week's upcoming games, um, we've got the potential for Sweden, Spain, Germany, France, and England to qualify for the World Cup. Yeah. So if Sweden, yeah, Spain, yeah, Germany, Germany, France, everyone in the groups, they'll, they'll qualify. Yeah. England um, need to win plus have Austria lose apparently. So. Yeah. So What's I mean that, that's surely that's it. So um and yeah, as much as I would like to think otherwise, Sweden heavy favorite heavy favorites against Ireland. I am so scared of that game. <sighs> But more, more the merrier. So we're we're starting to fill out the um yes the 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 lotto balls for the draw yes. for the World yep. Cup slowly but surely. Very nice. Now, Stefan, there may have been no matches in your beloved Nordic countries, but has it been cold in Canberra and replicating some of the weather? <laughs> has that it they been might cold in Canberra? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's actually been pretty nice. Um, I got sunburnt standing outside yeah, watching the yeah. young Matildas game yesterday, so yeah. it hasn't been that cold. That was unseasonably warm, warm at that game, so that was it was very nice out there. And even the game on Wednesday night, we got a bit of light rain, but it was a fairly good temperature. So, but yes, it, yeah. it's apparently it's going to be cold tomorrow, though. That's what that's what my yeah. group chat, just like my last twenty messages, bring thermal. So yeah, yeah. back rain. to normal. Yep. <laughs> Um, shall I go through quickly the round two yes, please. Um, capital football results? So um, the the top three expected teams to fight out the uh, the league honours this year uh, all won handsomely again this week. Um, in fact, all the games in both the rounds have all been quite one-sided except except for one game this round, which I, I'll touch on in a minute. But I was out at um, McKellar Park at a very lush Oh. Park. I miss McKellar Park. Oh, me yeah. too. Yes. It was great. It's always great to be there. Um, they Belcon United won five one over Gungahlin United. So um, the the interesting thing there was a couple of ex Gungahlin United players playing for Belconnen this season after Belconnen lost a, a raft of players to Olympic as part of the shake up of um, player movements. But it was. Um, Gungallon were one 0 up at halftime, but uh, but it was all Bel- Belconnen in the second half, and they they came away with a five five one win. Um, in the close game I mentioned, West Canberra Wanderers one uh, nil over Canberra United Academy down at Melrose Synthetic. Um, Nikita Perry, who was in the uh, junior Matildas camp, uh, came off at halftime, and um, uh, Hattie Cram scored for um, the Wanderers just before halftime, and they were able to hang on for the victory. Yep. So. so Good win to them. Um, Canberra Olympic, 6-0 over Tupanong United. Um, so they've got a ridiculous um, four. Uh-huh. In and uh, speaking of ridiculous fours in the uh-huh. game, Canberra Croatia, 16 over Wagga City Wanderers, zero. So poor old Wagga City. They've had the uh, toughest of starts to the year. They've had um, uh-huh. um, Canberra Croatia and Canberra Olympic as their first two games. and. Yeah, so um, they'll, they'll be hoping for a, a, a turn of the draw in the, in the coming weeks. Yes, yeah, that's right. Um, also, just my thoughts I had, it is nice to see there is one Wanderer side that can be Canberra United. And um, also, while you mentioned um, former Gungahlin United players, it did um, remind me of uh, my favourite uh, former Gungahlin United player, Emma Ilioski, who you mentioned earlier, who um, it's a bit unusual. Uh, she played a year with the Gungahlin under-16 boys team and won their Player of the Year award. So, yeah. yes. Awesome. And no Michelle Heyman. She's, she didn't turn yes. out to Gungahlin. It was the Gungahlin's first game and uh, yep. people were wondering, but no sign so of So that's, so that's one of their... So Heyman watches back to steal something from the far post. It is. It is. Yeah. Thank you very much. A nice update. And we need to try and do better about our other state and territory updates, if possible. We'll see how we go with that. The pod's pretty long anyway. That's but we'll right. See how we Can go. I do NPL New South Wales? We only had two games. Go. 
Yeah. Okay. So normally there's six games, but because of what Stefan has so eloquently spoken about, plenty of games are postponed due to junior Matildas and young Matildas call-ups. So that got rid of the Football New South Wales Institute versus Manly United and um, Blacktown Spartans versus Sydney University. Illawarra Stingrays versus Sydney Olympic, a different case. That was a washout because of all the rain we've had in Sydney. And just, just to round it off, emerging Jets v Tigers. Uh, Northern Tigers wanted to postpone it due to young Matilda's call-ups. And then the game was washed out anyway. So a bit of both. But there were two games. I was lucky enough to call uh, my game survived Apia Leichhardt versus Spirit FC. So Apia Leichhardt winning by three goals to nil. Uh, and that, by the way, the Sarah Hunter, one of... Um, RPS new signing, so she'll come back into what is expected to be a title challenger. Uh, so all three goals coming in the second half. Uh, Sophie Hogan with the first. Rihanna Policino with an early goal of the season contender for the second. And then Deborah Ann Delaharp with another early goal of the season contender for the third. So 3-0 the final score there. Spirit uh, uh, did lose, as Stefan uh, very nicely reminded me during the game. Kirsty Fenton and Sasha Grove to international duty. The other game was at, um, it was between MacArthur Rams and Bankstown City. MacArthur Rams also looking good, having recruited players like um, Alex Tewin and also Lauren Kears come back for another season. And also they, not too much, only missing Darcy Malone, I think, to uh, young Matilda's duty. They defeated Bankstown City by three goals to one. This is a test of the memory. MacArthur's goals coming from Kylie Ledbrook. We all know uh, Crystal Duggan and Laura Murtag and Bankstown City's goal scored by um, a player you'd remember from Adelaide United, Paige Hayward. So Bankstown City, very interesting. They've got a trio of Adelaide United players for this season. And I've bottled this again because I can only remember Emily Condon and Paige Hayward. Oh, my God. I've gone to the go through the Queensland MPLW results. While you're looking yeah, at go, go for it. Yeah, okay, now it started. It, I, I can get through them quick. It looked, I and I'm not across who who scored or, or um, or uh, Emma Stanbury. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Emma. <laughs> Emma Stanbury's the third Adelaide United player, and I really should have remembered that. Well, well done. Um, so Queensland MPL first, um, first round of the season. Uh, Queensland Lions look like they're um, they're, they're looking strong again this uh, season. Uh, sorry. Without Shay Connors, who's gone to Arpia. Yes. Uh, but they did pick up pick up um Aisha Nori. So um yeah, oh, they're, they're, they pre- did, they're pretty yes. good at So they, they got her from yeah. Gold Coast, so that's a really good signing. And they got Chelsea Blissett um back back up. So she has yeah, played yeah. for the Lions back. before thieving. Mm-hmm. So um they won five one against no, Brisbane. Uh, Chelsea Blissett's from New South Wales. <laughs> well no, but she has played for the Queensland Lions. In before. Victoria. Uh so have I. Um the by that logic is Denise Sullivan from Western Sydney. Oh, do... <laughs> sorry, Madge. Let's stay on topic. <laughs> <Go> on. <laughs> Next game, um, Sunshine Coast Wanderers won away to Morton Bay United and Eastern Suburbs uh, uh, three over South United two. So I'll be sure to actually um, look everything up when I'm not away in Townsville and Canberra for the first round. Second round, I will be well more prepared for the Queensland NBLW. Yes. Very good. Did Queens you have first moment to get... international coach? Did Queensland have postponed due to international call-ups as well? Well, I do wonder because there was a. Um, it looks like there's there was a scheduled game between Capalaba and the QAS that didn't go ahead yet. QAS. That's that's Is the that that's the candidate for international call-ups, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, queens of the week. I'll kick off and just say I want to have a secret queen that I can't announce at the moment, but it will be announced at the Women's Football Writers Festival. So in advance of that, you are my queen of the week. All will be revealed tomorrow. If you're not going to be at the Writers Festival, um, there's probably going to be some social coming out on it as well. So keep an eye on that. And if all else fails, I will come back on the pod next week and tell you my queen of the week. Or just jump on the uh, Twitter, Facebook, and post it. I mean, there's, you've got options. You've got all the passwords, Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm building the suspense. Eric, your queen, king, or non-binary person of the week, or a joker if you so see fit? No, I've, I've always... I've always got a queen. I don't rarely delve into negative unless I'm talking about Western Sydney Wanderers. Anyway, so um, now my queen of the week, we're going to the second tier of New South Wales football, football, New South Wales league one women's don't ask me why it's called that. Uh, And Blacktown city goalkeeper, Kiara Roche injured her wrist, couldn't take her place in goal, but she did um, 
girl she did uh, was named on the bench for uh, the Blacktown City game on Sunday. Then she came on as a late substitute up front as a center forward and did what every goalkeeper dreams of. She banged a couple of goals away, scored twice to help Blacktown City defeat Inter Lions 4-1. So Kiara Roche, you are my queen of the week. Goalkeepers showing the forwards how it's done. Isn't that great? Sounds beautiful. Stefan, queen of the week from you. Yes, um, it's the Sarah Hunter and Joey Peters pot, isn't it? Um, I can't go past Sarah Hunter for bossing it in those two mm. Matildas games. Okay. And I'm so predictable. I'm, I'm ridiculously predictable. My queen of the week is Katrina Gorey. It's um, making her Matildas return after, I don't know how, how the Matildas account posted it's been a lot of days. It was um, a seven, seven, seven hundred six, and seven, eight. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So fantastic to see her back. Uh, it's Katrina's Wonderland and we're all living in it. Thank you. I like that. I actually thought it might be a queen sweep for clean sweep for mini this time around, but it's, it's good to see that there are other players out there who are people goals in one way or another. Keep a wide berth. She was going to be mine. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much for that. As we finish up, I thought it might be prudent to talk about uh, some predictions for tomorrow night or whenever you're listening to it, then you'll be able to work out whether or not we were right or wrong, given the interesting result that we saw in the first game for the Matildas against New Zealand. Stefan, did you want to go first and, and just throw out a prediction? 3-0 uh, to us. Match. I'm going to go 2-0 to us. Eric is going to say something obscure. Something weird? Yes, I am. So, uh, Steph Catley to score with her right foot. Oh, I'm please. Not score, but just, <laughs> now that would be funny. Uh, has, have we seen, has any, have any of us seen Steph score with her right foot? To be honest, we'll I don't have pay to, attention. We will. Yeah, yeah I'm not yes. so sure about the feet. I just care if they if they score, and yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which foot. Apart from all left foot goals are beautiful. I get that. My prediction. I'm. I actually think Stefan might be on the money with three 0 I think there'll be a bit more of a gap. There were so many chances created, as Joey talked about, that I think that could be the change. But I actually thought that New Zealand played a a very smart game against Australia and they were very unfortunate to be in the game for so long and then to lose at that last moment. But what what an exciting game of football. I think that finishes up the pod for us tonight. Thank you, everyone, for listening, those three people who listen to us live, all of the people who listen to us on Joy Radio, Clutch Radio, and to those of you who subscribe and and download our podcast, thank you very much. We'll be back next week with more talk about football, including the discussion around the Matildas' second match against New Zealand and more international football. So stay with us. Talk to you soon. Bye. (laughs) 